Coming up, it's Philosophy Talk. <laughs> Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? <laughs> the psychology of evil. Look into my face. And no, to look into my face is to look into the face of evil. What is the mind of an evil person really like? Are the truly evil just like the rest of us with one additional screw loose? Are some people just naturally evil? You're quasi-evil. You're semi-evil. You're the margarine of evil. Our guest is Simon Baron Cohen, author of The Science of Evil, on empathy and the origins of cruelty. You're the Diet Coke of evil. Just one calorie, not evil enough. The psychology of evil. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of KALW San Francisco. We're continuing conversations that we began at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. Today, the psychology of evil. Can humans are capable of unspeakable cruelty. From the large-scale horrors of the Holocaust, or the Rwandan genocide, or Cambodia's killing fields, to smaller acts of murder and mayhem that infest every city in the world every day. There are no limits, John, on what some people will do to other people. The pervasiveness of evil and cruelty has puzzled philosophers and theologians, too, for centuries. Religious thinkers, for example, have wondered, how can a world created by a just, loving, all-powerful, and all-knowing God be so suffused with evil? We philosophers ask, is an evil person a person who's irrational to some extreme degree, or are they completely rational but kind of lack feeling? Today, we're going to look at evil from a different perspective, that of psychology and neuroscience. Before one can locate evil in the neural circuitry of the brain, one has to know what one is looking for. And philosophy can be helpful there. I mean, we have to say, what counts as evil? So what we're after is the set of character traits that might lead someone to commit the kinds of acts we call evil. That's why we call a person evil, because well, of their character. But the first step might be to say, why do we call an act evil? Here's a thought. It shows wanton disregard for the well-being of another person or worse. So why not just say then that an evil person is someone who habitually performs evil acts? Uninformity of an unscientific can. It's like saying that a sleeping pill makes a person fall asleep because it's got dormative power. We don't want to know that. We want to know what, what it's made of that has that effect. Well, unfortunately, the word evil used as a term for a character trait is sort of like dormative power. It isn't really a scientific term at all. That's because it wasn't coined by people who were out to understand the circuitry of the brain. So when you call a person evil, that tells you nothing whatsoever about what their brain is like. Nothing whatsoever. For most of it, it's an evaluative term. If you say someone's evil, that's not a nice thing to say about them. Right. The linguistic function, as philosophers like to say, of the term evil is mostly to condemn. It's not really in the business of explaining or describing. Science, however, is in the business of explaining and describing. So if we want to understand the psychology and the neuroscience, the brain chemistry of evil, we need to get 
put the evaluative aside at least for a while and talk in more causal and descriptive terms. So to that end, we've invited a psychologist to be our guest. Simon Baron Cohen has developed a scientific account of what's going on in the minds and brains of people who habitually perform evil acts. He thinks cruelty and evil result from diminished empathy, and he thinks he can track empathy down to 10 hardwired empathy circuits in the brain, and when a, one or more of them goes haywire, you've got diminished empathy. But before we plunge into psychology and neuroscience, John, let, let's just back up a step to philosophy and theology, because I, I wonder, I wonder something. Well, thinking about evil and cruelty in terms of hardwired empathy circuits, will that replace or will it supplement our philosophical and theological perspectives on evil? Well, I don't see how I can replace them because we philosophers and theologians too, I guess, we have our own business to attend to, like the whole issue of free will. But can the idea that a person isn't really evil unless he freely chooses to do evil things, that's a philosophical idea, can that idea withstand the discovery that cruelty is caused by malfunctioning brain chemistry? And is it really true that people with ordinary brain chemistry are incapable of evil? Even if we try really hard and devote ourselves to becoming evil, couldn't we succeed? Doesn't the capacity for evil lurk in the hearts or the brains of all of us? In just a bit, we'll put these questions and more to Simon Baron Cohen, author of The Science of Evil, on empathy and the origins of cruelty. And we want to hear from our very empathetic listening audience as well. But first, our roving philosophical reporter, Caitlin Ash, puts her own friends to the test to find out how empathetic they really are. She files this report. I think I'm a really, really empathetic person. Like on a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being not empathetic and 10 being overly empathetic, I'm probably like 7. <laughs> I think everyone wants to believe they're an empathetic person. Most people in America, especially in California, think that empathy means niceness, that it's synonymous with being nice to people, which is not the case. Thomas Lewis is a psychiatrist and an expert on empathy. Empathy is a skill, like music is a skill, or like drawing is a skill. It's a particular skill for knowing what other people think and feel. And empathy can be measured. The questionnaire I'm administering was actually developed by our guest, Simon Baron Cohen, and the results are pretty surprising. Number one, I can easily tell if someone else wants to enter a conversation. Uh, definitely agree. Question 11. It doesn't bother me too much if I am late meeting a friend. I slightly agree. People don't mind that much if you're late in Brazil. It's nothing to do with me not being empathetic. I can tune in to how someone else feels rapidly and intuitively. I think I can. I'm going to say I agree with that. 26. I'm quick to spot when someone in a group is feeling awkward or uncomfortable. Strongly agree. It takes one to know one. 38. It upsets me to see an animal in pain. Yes, obviously I strongly agree. It upsets me to see an animal in pain. Except maybe chickens. Out of 80 possible points, a score of 32 to 52 is considered normal. Most men get about 42, most women get about 47. I scored a 51, uh, which is average. I found that surprising because I was expecting to score very high or definitely above average. Very often people are poor judges of their own personality traits and characteristics. So that if you really want to know what people are like, it's often better to ask their friends. I would say Emma is somewhere in the higher range. Like if she was in like the 70s out of 80, I wouldn't be surprised. So I got a 65. I think that in, in some ways like that level of empathy is, is definitely um, crippling and paralyzing at times. Your score, 35. So I'm less than half, so I guess that makes me somewhat unempathetic. 
Tom, I've always known him to be relatively unemotional. So the whole him him not being empathetic is sort of like my worst fear come true. There's an advantage in life to pairing up with someone who's not like you because they can help you through the situations that you're not so good at. So if you're an unempathic man, but you're with an empathic woman, she can help you and guide you through social situations where you might blunder and not know what to do. This test kind of seems like some snake oil to me. The way you tell someone is empathetic is by knowing them. And I think that anyone who knows me would give me an 80 on this test. But don't feel too badly for these folks. Dr. Lewis says if you scored low on the questionnaire, with a little bit of practice, it's possible to improve our empathy skills. My score was a 32. Zero to 32 is low. I'm fine. <laughs> Don't worry about me, everybody. <laughs> I'm fine. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Caitlin Ash. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.